trying to raise the safety culture of an organization, talk to your employees about things that don't impact them at work, that may impact them at home, and distracted driving impacts all of us. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats. From severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Tom Geltz, the VP of Risk Management Services at Hayes Companies, and he also serves as a survivor advocate with the National Safety Council on Distracted Driving. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, so far, uh, my uh, my family and I have been healthy, and uh, I'd like to thank you, Peter, and Alert Media for inviting me to talk on this important topic of distracted driving. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. And I'm I'm really looking forward to this topic today. And I think it's because it's a, a seemingly unusual one at first glance, but after you pull back the covers, it really makes sense. And that's basically how employers can help reduce distracted driving to keep employees safe when in transit and then why they should. But before we begin, could you maybe just tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and how you became such a vocal advocate against distracted driving? Sure. I uh, went to college and earned a Bachelor of Science degree in occupational safety at uh, uh, UW-Whitewater in Wisconsin. And I'm a certified safety professional. I've got over 30 years of experience as a safety consultant. But nothing can really prepare you when your daughter, my daughter, Megan Geltz, was killed by a distracted driver on February 29th, 2016. That's leap day. I, uh, you know, I... As a safety consultant, I, I had such difficulty dealing with that situation because, uh, you know, I, I've been doing defensive driving and distracted driving training for, for all of those 30 years. And then to have this impact, uh, you know, my family uh, so personally. Megan was pregnant at the time of the crash, mm-hmm. and I should be holding a, a four-year-old little boy right now, a grandson that uh, should be live and vibrant, but I can't because he's gone. Megan had a daughter, and uh, she wasn't involved in the crash, and now she's almost eight years old, but she has to live without her mother for the rest of her life. Mm. Wow. Well, I mean, look, there's there's no words that can say it, but I'm I'm so sorry for what I would say is a completely senseless loss that you and your family not only went through, but continue to endure. Um I just, I can't thank you enough for your willingness to put yourself out there and talk about such a personally tragic event. And essentially, I mean, I see it here, you're reliving it and you're doing it frequently for the benefit of others. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And coming back to our topic, I mean, I don't think people really understand what distracted driving is and how bad of a problem it has become. And I think that's probably due to a little bit of lack of education but I think a lot of it's due to this, this idea that humans have of, it won't happen to me. So can you help make this real for our listeners? Like, tell us what is distracted driving? And then in numbers, how problematic is it today? 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots of forms of distraction while we're driving. You know, it, it could be your phone, but it could be just talking to a passenger. It could be reaching on the floor. It could be adjusting your, your dials. Um, eating. Yeah, eating. A lot of people, you know, we got fast food restaurants with drive throughs and people go through the drive through and, and grab something to eat. I used to do that all the time, too. Yep. Uh, I don't anymore. But, uh, you know, in the United States, we, we hover right around 40,000 deaths on our roads each year, which wow. is, you know, that's a huge number. And, you know, our fatality rates had been dropping for about 50 years up until about 2008. And right around that period of time was when we had the advent of the smartphone. Uh-huh. And that, that changed things significantly. Yep. And, and, you know, now, now we're seeing, you know, in 2018, for example, we had 2,476 teenager fatalities on our roads. And, you know, a lot of those teens, you know, if you ask older adults like us, we, you know, the, it's the teens that are driving distracted. But if you ask the, the, the high schoolers and the teens, they're, they're blaming us because we do it. We've been doing it in front of them for years. That's right. You know, it's all, you know, there's, there's other statistics too. It's, uh, you know, we had 5,250 OSHA fatalities in 2018. 40% of those were transportation related. Wow. 40%, over 2,000. So it's the number one killer of our employees as well. So we got to get our hands around this. And pedestrian fatalities are going up as well. So, you know, I mean, we, we've got distracted pedestrians. So, you know, people are looking at their phone as they're crossing the street and you got a distracted pedestrian, distracted driver. Who's going to win that competition? Mm, yeah. Driver, you know, in their 6,000 pound vehicle. Yeah, that's what I always tell my kids. I'm like, I don't care if you're, you're riding your bike or walking on the street and you're in the right. <laughs> that big old truck or that car is going to win every time, even if they're wrong. Right. That's right. Well, I know tech plays a really large role in distracted driving, as you've indicated. And I, I, as we were preparing for this show, I remember reading a story years ago that this is back in the early 1900s when cars were first still coming out, that manufacturers hesitated a long time before adding the first radio because they knew it was going to cause a distraction. It's like you need to focus on driving, not fumbling with dials and, and then maybe tuning out to a song or something like that. Um, so I know you've played a role in passing Minnesota's hands-free law that made it essentially illegal for drivers to physically operate a cell phone behind the wheel. So what have you found to be the result of passing that law? Well, it's it's a little too early to tell here in Minnesota, especially after COVID has impacted our, our driving this year. Right. Um, for, fortunately, we passed the law last year. And, you know, generally speaking, the state's that have had a hands-free law have, have seen a 15 to 20% decrease in distracted driving related crashes. And um, we think that's mostly due to um, advertising and promoting the fact that, you know, you got, you got to, you can't use a phone in the vehicle anymore. You got to have it mounted and you can't be touching it when you drive, you know, cause hands-free is not risk and I get that question a lot. You know, why, why did you go for a hands-free law when you know that, you know, any type of use of phone in a, in a vehicle while you're driving is dangerous? And unfortunately, I couldn't get a legislator in the Senate or the House to even sit down with me and write up a bill for a self-free policy. Um, there's no other states that have that at this point. Uh, there's 
28 plus states that have hands-free laws and they were willing to go that route. So we took it because you know what, if we can reduce the fatalities by 15 to 20%, it's better than nothing. But as a safety professional, I want to impact that other 85% too. Right. And it's not just cell phones, like you said. I mean, it's uh, fumbling with the GPS device or the these giant screens you see in cars now. Some of the electron, the elect, electric vehicles have like what appears to be a TV screen up in the front seat. And any of that can absolutely distract you. So there's three forms of distraction, visual, manual, and cognitive. And the hands-free laws help in regards to the visual and manual. You know, they keep your eyes on the road a little better and they keep your hands on the wheel so we're not fumbling around with the phone. The problem is, is that it doesn't impact the cognitive part of our brain concentrating on what we should be doing when we're driving, and that's driving. And, and when we're thinking about, you know, receiving a text or we're, we're thinking about a phone call or, hey, I got to call this person, let them know I'm coming, you know, that releases a chemical in our brain called dopamine. And when that happens, it gives us a, a pleasurable experiencing. And even just anticipating a text from a loved one, a friend, a coworker, can release that dopamine. We can't, you know, that thing buzzes in or rings in. We can't help ourselves but look at look at that because you know it could be important. It could be an important text. It could be from our kids. I hear that a lot. How many important texts do you get in a day, in a week, in a year? You know, I've had a cell phone for twenty years, and I've I've re- I've received one important phone call during those twenty years. One that was just as important as my life. No, no important text, no important emails. But that one call came from Regions Hospital in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. And they called me and they said, you know, your daughter's been in a crash. You need to come down here right away. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my living room with my wife at the time of, the, of that call. I wasn't even driving. And, and I, I put that out to people. It's like, how many, how many calls, emails, and texts social media alerts, whatever, do you get that's more important than your life? I don't think there's any. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's people drive so much that it kind of becomes second nature to them and they can do it without having to concentrate so much. And then that allows them this sense of freedom to, oh, I can go (laughs) watch a TV show or see some texts or listen to the radio and it's just, I don't know why that happens. Have you worked at all with auto manufacturers or tech companies to see if we can push them to come up with creative solutions to this? Or is that something on your radar? You know, I've, I've had some discussions with them. You know, a lot of, a lot of companies, they, they know who I am because I'm a victim's advocate fighting distracted driving. So a lot of organizations that have apps are, you know, try to, try to, talk to me and, and, and I, I've tried out many of them and, and some of them are really good. Um, and you know, we'll probably talk about that here in, in shortly, but you know, the best thing to do is just to put your, put your phone down. I think that, um, you know, the, the technology eventually will, will be, we were, we need it to be and, and it'll be safer with all these automated vehicles on the road. But how long is that going to take? that to happen i mean we're, we're killing forty thousand people every year on our roads are we going to wait 10 years i mean you start doing the math and that that forty thousand figure jumps higher and then we all end up knowing somebody that's been killed on our roads 
that's not acceptable to me. I, we need to do something right now. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I know tech can help solve things in the future, but it could also create a whole host of additional problems. You know, and you just look at some of the vehicles now with the complexity of what you get on your dashboard. It's it's distracting just to drive in and of itself now on some of these newer cars. And that's yeah, a little uh, more complicated. Unfortunately, you know, when we hear about a crash in a Tesla or in an automated vehicle, uh, that makes national news because, you know, if somebody dies from that, but, you know, Hundreds of other people died that same day due to manual driving of cars. Right. And, and, and those, generally speaking, unless it involves a bus or a lot of people, they don't, they don't make national news either. So, you know, a lot of people are looking negatively at the uh, at technology and automation. But, you know, I wish everybody had one of those vehicles right now. I think they'd be right. doing much better than, than us manually driving. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, now that you've set the stage on the danger and seriousness of this problem in general, let's jump in and talk about how employers can help distracted driving and why they should. Um, and I know you consult with a lot of companies about this and not just those with fleet vehicles, which is probably what's going through a lot of people's head right now. It's like, oh, I should only care if I've got a, a fleet of vehicles. Um, how can distracted driving be a liability for any organization? We all drive. I mean, all, virtually all, almost everyone drives back and forth to work. We drive the kids to school. We drive to get groceries. That's the most dangerous thing we're going to do. It doesn't matter. And, and you know, I, I have clients that are in the nuclear power industry. I have companies that are in trucking, that are in logging, construction companies. The most dangerous thing that all those organizations do for those employees is just driving back and forth to work or driving out to a job site or to a, a specific plant. Most, it, it's definitely the most dangerous thing they're going to be doing. We're, we're seeing in the insurance industry, we're seeing nuclear verdicts come down against organizations where the driver, the company employee, was they were following the company policy uh, regarding fleet safety. They were following the letter of the law in the state. Well, we're seeing nuclear verdicts that are just astronomical. Eight years ago, the average nuclear verdict was $2 million. It's gone up a 1,000% since then. Wow. Now it's at the average nuclear verdict is $22 million. And you know what? It, I mean, you know, companies and, and uh, chief financial officers, people in the treasury, they, they see that and it's huge liability. That's why, you know, we tell everybody it's like, you have to have strong policies in place. So you don't have a, a $22 million loss. Maybe it's a $200,000 loss instead. But, you know, there's, there's all kinds of uh, information out there on, on safety culture in organizations where, you know, a lot, of, a lot of places, you know, they'll talk to me and they'll go, well, you know, we don't even have cars. We don't have, we don't have trucks. Uh, we don't need to talk about distracted driving. Well, trying to raise the safety culture of an organization, talk to your employees about things that, that don't impact them at work, that may impact them at home. And distracted driving impacts all of us. Another example would be car seats. You know, maybe bringing in a vendor to, to make sure that your employees know how to properly install car seats. I mean, how many of us, you know, all these car seats, some of them go forward, some of them go backwards, some of them get, you know, clipped in. How many people don't install them correctly? You know, and, and those are things where you can really help to shape and improve that safety culture of your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to just thinking back on the fleet drivers, 
What do you say to organizations that say, well, we need to be in touch with our drivers when they're out there. We need to have them listening for their cell phone. What do you say there? Well, you know what? I mean, we, we can adapt. I mean, I've been, I've been successful with large trucking companies that, you know, there's a federal law that indicates that they can drive hands-free so that they can, you know, ha- they can have a headset and be talking to their employer. I've been successful in, in, in talking to those employers, talking to senior leadership and saying, hey, hands-free is not safe. Hands-free is not risk-free. It's better than nothing, but it's not, it's not safe. And, and which one of your drivers are you going to put at risk and wait till they get in a crash and get killed? Which one can you lose? Most people say nobody. That's right. We can't lose. We don't want to lose anyone. Well, then you have to have these strong policies in place. And that's, that's the only way you're going to protect your organization and your employees. And human life is clearly the, the most important part of it. But a lot of people, CFOs included, worry about the bottom line and is the operational efficiency you get from having someone driving with a headset on, does that outweigh the, like you said, nuclear $22 million lawsuit that will come down if, if the truck smashes through five cars and kills two people? Right. I mean, I can give you numerous Fortune 500 companies that have established distraction-free driving policies and uh they're just as profitable, if not more so than, than they were when they allowed distractions while they drove. I mean, Cargill is one of them, a large, very large company. They have yeah. over 150,000 employees, and, and they established this policy. And you know what? Talking to the CEO of that company, he said it, cha- it changed the way they did business. They had to get used to it. Um, but their customers appreciated the out of office messages saying, Hey, you know, I'm either away from my desk or I'm driving right now and I can't, can't take your call. I'll get back to you as soon as I can, but I want to be safe, not only for myself, but for everyone else on the road, including you and your family, you know, their customers go, Holy cow, that's, that's impressive. And they actually see, saw increased revenues and in sales from that. There's construction companies and many, many other organizations that are doing that as a, Safety consultant, that's where I focus on employers, because if I can get the employer to come in with a strong policy, I'm hoping that those employees of that employer will take that home and spread the message with their family, with their friends, and be safe overall when, whenever they're driving for company business or personal. I mean, I, frankly, I think it can be a competitive advantage because you're going to attract drivers who know they're not going to be stressed out about trying to deal with communication while they're driving that just wears on you after a while. And then, like you said, from a, a customer standpoint, people are like, wow, you really take your, your people's safety and other people on the road safety seriously. So that's, that's fantastic. Yep. Um, yep. As we enter the winter season that's coming up, it's going to affect you <laughs> a lot more than me down here in Texas. But uh, what can organizations do to help their employees prepare for icy roads, freezing temperatures, and all those other conditions that typically make winter driving very unsafe? Well, just talking about it like we're doing here, raising awareness, um, having, you know, sending out little information bits on winter driving. It gets people thinking about it a a little bit ahead of time. Here in Minnesota and Wisconsin, we've already had 10 inches of snow. It's gone now, but I mean, there were a tremendous amount of vehicle crashes after the snow. It's almost like we forget how to drive it. But what I usually tell employers is that, you know, make sure you've got, um, properly inflated tires, that your tires are, are in good shape. You know, this is the time in the fall to purchase new tires, so they'll be good for the winter. 
Uh, make sure your battery is in good shape. A lot of batteries fail when, when, when it gets cold. You know, have a, uh, a winter kit in your vehicle that includes blankets, maybe uh, some candy bars and food in, in the event that you get stranded. Slow down. You know, slow down. The, the posted speed limit may be too fast under certain conditions. You know, know that at bridges, over overpasses, on ramps, off ramps generally generally get more slippery. So, you know, be very cognizant on those. And then plan your day. If you if you don't have to go somewhere, stay home. And the last thing I always like to point out to people is uh, turn your lights on. But at night, you lose some of that ability to see and. Um, you know, as people drive distracted, when, they, when they're looking at their phone or they're texting or they're Zoom meeting, you know, they're, they're yeah. driving down the road in a, in a Zoom meeting and they're looking at their phone, once in a while they'll glance up. And when they glance up, if they don't see your vehicle coming, they'll go, okay, there's no vehicles coming towards me right now. I can look down for longer. Maybe I can read a little bit longer. So... If you have your lights on and you're you're a quarter mile down the road, chances are they're going to see those lights. And in dark conditions, they may not see those. You know, if you don't have your lights on, so you know if they see your lights, they may go, "Well, there's a car approaching. Maybe maybe I'll uh, you know glance up a little bit more frequently." And, and you know that may save your life. Just having your lights on. I have my lights on and my fog lights on, 24 hours a day, all you know, all the time. In, in the broad daylight and whatever, because I want to be seen. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fantastic safety rule. I think in in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, that's a that's a law in that country. You have to have some kind of lights on 24 seven because statistically, it does make a difference. You can see other people can see you. It's just one more thing that stands out. So right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I frankly, it, it's unfortunate that people have to experience something personally before they really take it to heart, but. I recall years ago, I was driving my family actually up in your neck of the woods in through some back back roads of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And I, I wasn't using my phone. I was using a GPS device. I looked down to see where I was just to get my bearings. I come around a corner. I'm pulling a trailer that weighs six, 7,000 pounds. And there's a stop sign right there, right when I look up. And I'm going like 45 miles an hour. I had to slam on the brakes and I jackknifed the trailer just to not go through that stop sign. And all yeah. it took was me looking down for like two seconds at a GPS, not even replying to an email or a text or anything like that. So I can absolutely verify for the audience and the listeners that everything can distract you from trying to eat a hamburger and fries while you're driving to looking at a GPS to responding to a text. It's all not good. And right. at some point, something's going to surprise you like that. Heck, a deer could have jumped up in front of me. And if, if I didn't respond correctly, it would have been bad. You never know who's going to be walking on the side of the road. Right. You know, it could be a police police car. It could be just somebody who's stranded or just somebody walking or an animal, like you said. I mean, there's a lot of things. And just because we're out in the open country, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I used to drive distracted all the time. And I used to do a lot when I was driving cross country on the open interstates because there was nobody else around. There were no cars, but you never know what's around that next turn. And I think that's the problem is you can go 10,000 miles with nothing happening, super boring driving. And then that 10,000 and first mile, a deer jumps in front of you. Uh, a police car is pulled out just a little too far into oncoming traffic, having pulled someone out and you're not paying attention. You have to be alert for when that thing happens. What are some other ways organizations can help reduce distracted driving? Like clearly I, I find that 
telling stories like yours really make people listen, getting people to think about situations where they really screwed up and should have done it, you know, brings it home. Are there, are there websites people can go to to share with their folks? Are there people they can bring in to talk? And what are some other things they can do to really spread this message? It starts out with a strong policy for organizations, you know, having a, a, a strong fleet safety policy and including a distracted driving section in there. For, and, I, and I always recommend that you have uh, cell phone free policy or electronics free. Um, then it's education. You know, there's, you know, making sure that you educate the employees as to why you're doing this. And, you know, I've been doing these defensive driving and distracted driving trainings for, you know, 30 years and they were good. I maybe changed some behaviors along the way, but once I became a victim's advocate and I told my personal story, uh, you know, I, w- I was starting to change thousands of people's behaviors. And the feedback that I that I got was in, incredible, and that's why I uh, focus on that now as a as a safety consultant in the uh, traffic safety world. Because um, you know, if you can make a difference like that, uh, if you're you can save some lives. And you know, I, I think it's important that you you get somebody that. Um, can talk about it at a, at a personal level. And there's uh, victims advocates in every one of our states, unfortunately. Um, and the ranks are growing all the time. And But but reach out to them because, you know, they're happy to come in and talk to high schools, to churches, to rotary clubs, to your employer. And if they can make a difference, um, you know, then it's worth it because once you have senior leadership buy-in and then you have the employees buy-in, then you're well on your way. There's other things too. Uh, there's apps that are available out there. Some of them reward the drivers for um, good behavior, you know, for, for not speeding, for not driving distracted. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of those out there and, and some are better than others, but the, you know, I'd certainly suggest that you, you know, maybe try some of that. And, and because everybody looks at it differently. I don't use my phone when I drive anymore. But uh, so I don't really need an app, but a lot of right. people do. Yeah, I think you, you have to admit that people will be distracted and tempted by that next ding. And you just have to say, all right, OK, let's just acknowledge that they're going to keep that thing on and let's put apps on there or something that can really help keep it in check. And I think that's the idea. You have to make people consciously realize this is dangerous. And it really comes down to just, a, um, I guess, a, a culture of employee safety. I remember years ago, I was, I was visiting a client or a prospective client I was trying to sell to, and every single car in the parking lot was backed in. Nobody pulled in front. And in the meeting, he said, if you can tell me why we do that, I'll sign your purchase order right now. <laughs> <laughs> I racked my brain and I couldn't figure it out. But he said, statistically speaking, when you back into a, a parking spot, you're far less likely to get into an accident when you pull out. It's backing out of the spot. It's like statistically, it was crazy. It was like 30, 40% more likely to get into a wreck. And he said, that's important in and of itself, just in a parking lot where the wreck isn't that bad, but it creates that culture of safety when you're driving. Every time you park and every time you pull out, you're thinking, I'm doing something that's really dangerous. And I thought that was pretty, pretty good. Right. 
Right. And, you know, I've had that happen too, where, where I went to one of my clients and they had, everybody had backed in and I got there uh, in the morning. I was visiting them several days in a row and I got there one morning and there was one vehicle parked uh, forward and I took a picture of it. And in my closing conference, I made mention about, you know, their, their policy on, on backing in like that. And I thought that was wonderful. And then I pulled up the picture that I said, except for this one person <laughs> that I busted. And you know what they told me? That was a contractor that was working on their premises that day. Most of those drivers then, when they pull up to a grocery store, you know, they'll, they'll pull through and park so that they can leave without having to back up. You know, I personally, at, at the church that I go to, um, I had a, uh, a family there that were, were their little son, a three-year-old son, was walking out of a restaurant with his older sister, and he took off into the parking lot, and he got backed over by a pickup uh, truck and yeah. killed. And so, you know, that topic in itself is, is, is very important to me as well. And, you know, we all know people that have died. On our roads, everybody. There's so many that happen. We need to do more. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think everyone probably either knows someone directly that died, or is friends with, or uh, close to somebody that had someone close to them. It's it's like one or two degrees of separation. So it's yeah, it's big. Well, with so many people working remotely right now, why is distracted driving still a major concern? Why should companies still care about it? Man, you know what? We're all dis- we're all distracted now. Due to COVID, due to the elections, due to the potential recounts, the riots. Um, you know, we got kids learning at home. We got parents at home, uh, grandparents. It's concerns over older people getting COVID. So there's so many things on our mind. And, you know, if you drive around now, people are speeding like it's all get out. Distracted driving has gone up through the roof. I live in Wisconsin. I work in Minnesota and I drive through Minnesota and I, you know, we've got the hands-free law there and I see people holding their phones in their hands. You know, there's just not enough law enforcement out there to, to prevent that kind of thing from happening. And people think they're entitled. And like you mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's like, it can't happen to me. Our, our death rates are actually increasing on our roads, even though we have less drivers on the road. So now more than ever, we need to have better controls. If you think about um, employee response when a company invests in having conversations about dis- dis- distracted driving, what, what do you typically see? How do people respond to this? Are they like, ah, stop being big brother to me? Or do they respond very well? Is it worth the company's time to invest in this? It's kind of all over the map. I, I see you know, people that are fighting for it and, and, and appreciate it. And then I, 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 I hear negative comments. You have to sell senior leadership on it first. We need top down. We need a top down. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, you have to have their buy-in and that's, that can be difficult. So I always tell people focus in on, on somebody that has children or somebody that maybe had, had a situation where they, uh, you know, knew somebody that was killed on our roads because that senior leader will help advocate for the safety professional or human resources or whoever's trying to get this program in place. You know, then once you get senior leadership to buy into it and, and establish the program, you're, you're still going to have people, you know, the employees going, why that, why do we need this? And that's the, that's the time 
that we start educating them as to why. And, you know, you asked earlier about, you know, are there training programs and such? I mean, there's YouTube videos that have five seconds to 30 seconds to a couple minutes worth of distracted driving video that any, you know, it's free. You can just go on YouTube and, and download it. And, you know, showing people that stuff periodically or send them blanket that out and send it out to everybody to see, those are, they start to see, okay, I, I, I'm starting to realize why, why we're doing this. We're, we're doing this to save our lives, you know, and that, that should be much more important than anything else. I mean, you shouldn't lose your life trying to work or sell a product. Use the victim's advocates, like I said. Use somebody that can tell a personal story because it's, it's amazing. I get much tougher guys than myself that are, are sitting in a room listening to me and they're bawling their eyes out because, you know what, they have a daughter just like, you know, the same age as my daughter. Or maybe, it was, maybe it's a sister or their mother they're thinking of or their grandmother or their girlfriend or wife. You know what? You have to pay attention when you drive because there's so many millions of people that aren't paying attention. You're going to have to take evasive action at some point. It might be today. It might be next week. It might be next month. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to happen. It happens to all of us on a much more frequent basis than we're readily to admit. But it's going to happen. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to be a victim. Yeah. And that's the key. Kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's you, you go for 10, 20,000 miles, no problem. And in a fraction of a second, something changes. You've got to be ready to respond. Well, uh, I'd like to close here just by asking a final question. We always like to give our listeners something they can take with them to make an immediate impact on their organizations. So in, in your mind, what's something the audience can take action on today to help reduce distracted driving amongst their employees? If my message here stops with you listening to it, um, I've failed. I have spoken to, I've done about 300 live presentations. Now with COVID, everything is virtual, but hopefully we'll be, we'll be doing some more live presentations. But, um, you know, I've spoken to approximately 300,000 people in my presentations, which seems like a lot. That seems like a big number, right? But there's... 343 million people that live in the United States. Yeah. I've, I've touched just a needle in the haystack. I, you know, I need everybody that listens to me to start talking to their families, to start talking to their friends, their coworkers, you know, talk to them about this topic. I've got sample programs that I give out to anybody. You don't have to be a client. So if you, if you want a sample distracted driving policy or a, a fleet safety program, I'll shoot that out to you. Um, you know, if, if you want to review or view one of my presentations, I've got a couple that are recorded, and I can send the link. Uh, it's about a half an hour presentation. Show it to your coworkers. Show it to your family. Show it to your friends. Show it to senior leadership. Maybe they'll go, hey, why don't we have a policy like this? We've got to protect our, we got to protect our liability. And we have to protect our employees. Let's do something. So I need, I need every one of you to help. The other thing is that contact your senator or representative in the state that you're in. Mm -hmm. those, state, those of you that are in states that have hands-free laws, don't just, just assume that, hey, we've got this law in place. We're good. We need to go be well beyond hands-free laws. And there's more states than not that don't even have a hands-free law. So let's 
contact your senator and representative. Tell them you're concerned about distracted driving and tell them to do something about it. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being here today. I'm, I'm just so sorry about your loss and what you and your family are going through with this day in, day out. But thank you for spreading the word on it. I think that's the most important thing. And if anybody does want to follow up with you to get your presentation or just ask you questions or anything, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Well, thank you, uh, Peter and Alert Media for helping me raise awareness on this important topic. The, the best way to reach me is my email, and that's uh, tgeltz, T-G-O-E. L-T-Z at HayesCompanies.com and that's H-A-Y-S C-O-M P-A-N-I-E-S dot com or you can contact me on my LinkedIn page and uh, like I said if you want sample policies or you want a link to my live presentation or I've got other webinars that I've done during COVID um, I'd be happy to send you that uh, no, no charge at all. And if you have speaking opportunities for me at, at businesses or schools or churches or any other organization, I'd be happy to entertain those. Hopefully we'll be uh, getting out and doing live presentations again. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. And to everyone else out there, put down your phone and start spreading the word. I think that's the best thing we can do. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.